0: This isn't rocket science, right? You don't need to be a licensed clinician to be able to offer a warm hand, keep your eyes open, and have a conversation with a student.
1: Student housing professionals often use the term heads in beds. So what does that mean? So we typically use it when someone is referring to occupancy. People will say, at the end of the day, it's all about the heads and beds. And by the way, it's not all about heads and beds, but I understand the sentiment. It, we can't operate without heads and beds. But how about if you had all of those heads show up on move-in day and you didn't have a bed, even for just one person? Everything you and your team work so hard for a return. Will be for nothing if just one person shows up on move in day and they find out they don't have a mattress. The most essential thing for a student to have on move in day is a mattress. Doesn't matter if all the other furniture in the unit is in great shape. If the mattress isn't there, that student is going to go directly to Google and they'll post something about how crummy the apartment is, all because they had to sleep on the floor or you had to put them in a hotel room. Look, things happen. Supply chain issues happen. Inspection teams miss things. Let's talk about inspections for just a second. I mean, think about it. The one piece of furniture that you can't really assess during those inspections is the mattress. No one's pulling the sheets all the way off and flipping the mattress over. It just isn't happening. So, what is your plan when July 31st happens? Or for some of you, I know it's July 15th, or maybe it's a little bit later, but you get to move out day and you start those inspections and you find out you've got 5, 10, 20 additional mattresses that you did not order and did not account for. Yeah, most of the furniture companies that are, that are servicing the student housing industry, they're going to stock extra mattresses, but do they have the logistics to get you the mattresses by move-in day? Yeah, you can also try and source some mattresses from your local mattress store, but number one, you're paying retail, and number two, they typically don't have the right size mattress. And if you're a student housing veteran, you know what I'm talking about. That's why you need to remember this simple website, studenthousingmattress.com. That's the website for student housing owners and managers to order mattresses from Jameson Bedding. Yes, we've talked about Jameson on the podcast before. Mattresses from Jameson are manufactured in the U.S., and they can get mattresses to just about anywhere in the lower 48 within just a few days in most situations and they're quality mattresses. They even have those famous blue vinyl mattresses that we all widely use within the industry. So again, that's studenthousingmattress.com. We'll provide a link in the show notes, studenthousingmattress.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Student Housing Insight podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Deese, and I'm also the CEO and founder of Student Housing Insight. Yes, SHI is not only a podcast, but we're also a platform, a platform for off-campus student housing professionals to connect, network, and learn. You can find out more at studenthousinginsight.com. Well, guys, we are already halfway through the month of May by the time you're listening to this. Spring semester is over, and we are all getting focused on finishing out the leasing season for those of you that have still got leasing to do. And we're also just getting really laser focused on TURN. But May is also mental health awareness month. And since this is our first podcast coming out for the month of May, I want to spend some time talking about a mental health initiative that the industry launched last year. We've talked about it before on this podcast, but if you haven't heard about it, it's called the College Student Mental Wellness Advocacy Coalition. The coalition is made up of about 24 student housing firms that partnered with the Hi How Are You Foundation based in Austin, Texas. Last week, back on May 11th, I hosted the industry's monthly webinar called Shop Talk, If you're not aware of Shop Talk, make sure you go to shoptalk.info. It's a monthly webinar put together by industry executives to share information about what is impacting the industry and how is the industry just performing overall, be it leasing or or any other metric that we're trying to measure. Regardless if you're a site manager or if you're in the C-suite, if you are in the off-campus industry, you need to be a part of it. So go check out the website again. It's shoptalk.info. Dot info and register to receive all the updates and announcements that we have there. But anyway, getting back to the shop talk that happened on May 11th, I sat down to have a discussion with the co-founder of the How How Are You Foundation, Tom Gimble, as well as chief clinical officer for the Jed Foundation. If you don't know what the Jed Foundation is, don't worry, we'll get into it. But the chief clinical officer there is Dr. Nance Roy. She also is the assistant clinical professor at Yale University School of Medicine. We also talked to Richie Lasik with Core Spaces. You guys have heard Richie before if you listen to this podcast. He's also part of the coalition's leadership. And the purpose of the discussion was to get an update on what the coalition has accomplished this past year and really kind of what's ahead this upcoming academic cycle. Additionally, I wanted to talk to the shop talk audience or wanted them to talk to the shop talk audience about how managers and those of us that are in those day to day contact with students. I wanted them to really share with them how they can identify when a student may not really be dealing well with their mental wellness and what resources are available it was a really great discussion, and I wanted to make sure that our podcast audience, because I know all of you don't tune into Shop Talk as well, but I wanted to make sure that the podcast audience got a chance to hear it as well. So let's go ahead and cut to that interview. May's Mental Health Awareness Month, and within this industry, especially over the past year, but even over the past two or three years. Especially with this pandemic, we've had a lot of discussions about our residents' mental wellness and you know how we can best support them. And there's a partnership that started back in 2019 with the Hi How Are You Foundation, based in Austin, Texas, that Tom is a co-founder of. I'll introduce him here in just a second. They partnered with ACC on doing some things kind of local within Austin, and in 2021 that turned into a survey that they launched through all the ACC properties to really try to get some information back from their residents to find out how they could best support their residents and ways to, to modify training with their staff to better support the students. And then last year, that turned into the College Student Mental Wellness Coalition that has now expanded to another 23 national firms i'm sure you guys have heard a lot about it and i'm sure many of your firms are actually a part of it and that ended up launching Richie, tell me if i'm right or not i believe it was 800 880,000 something like that emails that went out to get the survey out to everybody across the country and we got some really great information back on that and we want to talk a little bit about that but I want you guys to introduce yourself and uh, Tom, we'll start with you. And if you kind of give us a little overview of what your foundation has been doing and kind of the setup with ACC as well, that'd be great.
2: Yeah. So Hi, How Are You Project is a mental health awareness nonprofit organization. We focus on young people ages 14 to 24. We're six years old. We started in Austin, Texas, really just as a one-time concert event to raise mental health awareness and encourage people and, in the city to have these hi-how-are-you conversations. And the response to that concert was so great that we really recognized that we need to commit to this and and do it full-time. It was a a year or so later that we had a a really wonderful and and fortunate meeting with Gina Cowart from ACC. ACC had purchased the building, the property in Austin that is the home to the hi-how-are-you mural. And so Gina was asking about the mural, and that led to the conversation about mental health awareness and we were both aligned that it was very important. And so we've been working with ACC for a little over five years on staff training programs and on site events, and particularly around Hi, How Are You Day, which for us is January 22nd. And then May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And right now we're engaged in a happy Habitathon, thon, encouraging residents and, and staff to have healthy habits that support their mental well being. And then World Mental Health Day on uh, October 10th. Those are our kind of three temple events, and it's been incredible that ACC has really given us this audience and this partnership. It's It's been incredible.
1: Fantastic. Richie, you want to talk a little bit, obviously introduce yourself, and then talk a little bit about what the coalition has done this year.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Richie Lasick from Core Spaces, Director of Innovation and Engagement. I've been involved here at Core with our mental health initiatives and as Wes and, and Tom here alluded to in 2021, that's really when conversations started between some of the uh, student housing companies, including ACC. And really the question was, how can we come together and share best practices to help our students' mental health, right? To help our residents' mental health. What can we do better? And, you know, just from getting to know what ACC is doing better and High hawari Project is doing better, they've really been a leader in the space to help orient the coalition on what's, what is the best way to implement the best programming to help our students' mental health. So, it's been awesome getting to know Tom here better and his organization and you know, now we're at 24 companies in this coalition. Since we started talking last in December 2021, over the past year, we now have a reach of over 800,000 students in 216 university markets. So what Tom and ACC started, you know, in Austin 5 years ago, now we have the opportunity to reach over 800,000 students in 216 markets, which is really exciting. And again, that is just the first year as we are still accepting members in the coalition, which I'll talk about later. We also had an opportunity to start thinking, okay, we have all these members in the coalition, where do we start? And the root of innovation is curiosity. And so what we did was let's go get some data on to see where our students are at. Instead of starting to implement programming, throughout all of our portfolios, let's go see where our students are at. So we released our first Thriving College Student Index this past fall. So over 800,000 students. Happy to say we had over 18,000 students across our portfolios answer to give us a nice data set to really orient what is that next step? And that has led us to how do we help our team members? And then how do we then help our students? And so thinking of great people in the space in addition to how are you, we started talking to Jed Foundation. And so I, I know is here on the call and she'll, she'll introduce Jed and what we're doing, but really excited about where we're going for year two. And I'll talk more later on in this segment about what's to come. But I guess one last best practice from ACC here at Core Spaces this week for Mental Health Awareness Month is all about healthy habits. And that's just an example of knowing Tom, knowing Gene at uh, ACC, knowing what they're doing to help their team members' mental health. We took our subcommittee and said, okay, how can we share a best practice that's working for ACC. And Tom, I I feel like an awesome best practice is what you all are doing with the mural in Austin, if you want to talk about that really quickly.
2: Yeah, you know, the mural, which was the inspiration for the Hi, How Are You project, ACC is doing a complete rebuild of that property. And the whole city was very concerned that as the building's being knocked down, is the mural going to be preserved? And ACC has gone through additional time and expense and great care to preserve the mural. And it, it kind of led to this massive uh, press opportunity that we received in the market. And every major news network and newspaper was covering this story, which was really timely because it led into Mental Health Awareness Month and, and the opportunity to use this media, not just to talk about ACC's efforts to preserve the mural, but also what people could do for their own mental well-being during the month of May. So it was it was a really timely opportunity. And we're, of course, very grateful for what ACC is doing to take care to preserve that mural. It's really special.
1: Great. Dr. Roy, we'll go to you next.
0: Hi, I'm Nancy Roy. I am the Chief Clinical Officer at the JED Foundation. For those of you who are not familiar with JED, we are a nonprofit whose mission is to promote mental health and reduce suicide among teens and young adults. So we are pro- We're in about maybe a little over 480 or so colleges and universities across the country, working with them on their policies, programs, and systems that promote mental health to reduce suicide and substance misuse. And so in thinking about this work that you are all doing and thinking about partnering together to expand the work that we do on campus and how much of that can be transferred to the off-campus housing market where so many of our students are also living. And so we're beginning to have some conversations about what that might look like, how we can develop in your buildings, in your residences Those cultures of caring and compassion and sense of belonging, among other things, that we are also doing with our campus partners and bridging, if you will, the types of resources and culture that we're able to do on campus with the off-campus housing market.
1: Yeah, I first came across Jed probably five or six years ago, and it was actually kind of because of this podcast and some of the content that we were creating that led me to Jed you guys are certainly the kind of the largest out there providing these types of services to the universities. And you guys, I believe you guys were founded in 2000.
0: Yeah. So we were founded in 2000 by a couple Donna and Phil Saitow whose son Jed died by suicide when he was in college, hence the name of our organization and initially focused very, very specifically on suicide prevention and, Soon realized, I would say, that if you really want to move the needle on suicide prevention, we need to be much more upstream and talking about promoting positive mental health. And so much of our work and for anyone who's interested to go to our website, you will see our comprehensive approach where we work with schools on helping develop life skills for students, increasing help seeking and stigma reduction, developing senses of connection and belonging, helping to identify students when they're just beginning to struggle, not waiting for them to be in crisis or significant distress, looking at services that are offered, campaigns that you can offer for stigma reduction and help seeking. Uh, looking at the safety of your buildings. So for campus, for example, where are there places on campus where a student might be able to bring harm to themselves? And the residence halls being one of those places. And also looking, for example, in off-campus housing, doing an environmental scan. So there's many components to our approach that we look at when we're working with schools. And I do believe, honestly, that probably all of them all of those categories or buckets is we call them would be applicable and helpful in developing the kinds of communities that i i also just heard in listening to the folks that preceded us what parents and students and parents are becoming it sounds like much more savvy and interested in what exactly is the residential experience going to be in this off-campus housing building. We certainly know that they're asking those questions on campus and what are you doing, especially around mental health and support. And so my suspicion is that you will likely be getting a lot more of those targeted questions as well in your buildings on how are you, uh, how are you building communities that are supportive and healthy.
1: So I've, with you guys starting in 2000, that kind of means you, you guys have seen three generations now, the Gen Xers, the, the Millennials, and, and now Gen Z. Just want to ask, you know, what has, and obviously the approach that you guys were talking about or that you were talking about, I'm sure has evolved. But as far as the students, you know, what are some of the key differences that you've noticed or, or trends that you've seen? servicing across those generations?
0: There's been a lot of talk and a lot of stuff in the media about the mental health crisis that our our youth are experiencing. And we like to shy away from the term (laughs) crisis because it doesn't particularly seem to be helpful in terms of solutions or strategies and tends to incite more, I think, fear. It's not to say that we're not seeing many students who are struggling, but we have been seeing these students, to your point, over the past 10, 15 years struggling. Certainly the pandemic exacerbated, especially senses of isolation and and lack of belonging and loneliness, much like we've heard the Surgeon General talking, thank goodness, and bringing attention to the loneliness epidemic in our country. We've been seeing this for years. Did the pandemic cause a spike? Yeah, but it's not like all of a sudden we've had an explosion in our young people of mental health issues. Anxiety and depression have been on the rise over time. I will say that right now, I think our young people are dealing with a very scary and uncertain world, which also factors into the impact on their mental health. I mean, they're growing up with school shootings. They're growing up with hate crimes, racial divisiveness, climate change the pandemic, I mean, this is not a particularly safe world that our young people are growing up in. Yeah. So I think we'd be more surprised if they weren't anxious and a little depressed.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Well, you know, talking about trends a little bit, you know, Richie, you've got some data points from the most recent survey that I was wondering to see if you could kind of walk us through here.
3: Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Wes. And what I'll do here is I'll also send a link in the uh, chat towards the end of the call that anyone can access the the full report, but just wanted to highlight, you know, going off what Nancy was saying and Tom and just, you know, what they're seeing. This is what our students said, right? So when you you think of the 18,000 students across the 216 markets that responded across our portfolios, you see here, students that said, Hey, my mental health is very good or somewhat good. We're almost just as likely to say my mental health is somewhat poor or poor. Right. So when, I guess a takeaway, going away to your communities, thinking of events and thinking of programming, thinking of intentionality and thinking of the words belonging and connectedness, how can you get students to feel more on that 40% of somewhat good and good as opposed to somewhat poor or very poor, right? And, And what can you do as a community manager to create that sense of belonging and that connectedness? And so, Wes, we don't mind going to the next slide here. Another thing that we asked our students about is just what emotions are you feeling? And and as you can see here in the the blue bar, on a total spectrum, it's more on the negative side. But if you're a thriving student, you can see here that there's more positive emotions that are coming up. And so the way we actually dissected the survey is people self-describe how their mental health was right now and how they think it will be in the future. And so we broke up the data between a thriving student a maintaining student and a struggling student. As you can see here, our thriving students are the ones that were more likely to say, hey, I've been experiencing positive emotions. So I'll get to this later in our talk here of how we can empower those thriving students. And then finally, uh, we took a pulse on, okay, how are our students taking care of their mental health? Without us coming in and providing that programming, how can we meet them where they're at? And so what we see here is overwhelmingly, people are saying, hey, I'm listening to music take care of my mental health. I'm also socializing. I'm watching TVs and movies. I'm spending time outside. So for all of you operators on this call, we think of your programming, how can you align your events to mirror what our students are doing to take care of themselves? And then for all of you developers and architects on the call, how can we design our communities of the future again to mirror this data? And I mean, Tom, I hope this is just you know music to your ears, no pun intended here, seeing what students said the survey when it thinks that hi how are you
2: yeah i mean our, our focus is very much around community you know people being together with one another so promoting events and programming that bring people together and music is such a such a great one when you're at a concert when you're together with other people enjoying music it's a very uplifting experience so it's good to see that some of our original instincts are kind of being supported with the data but to echo Richie's point whatever you can do on site to promote community is really everything.
1: Yeah so I wanted to I, you know I think one of the biggest questions that you know site level managers and regional managers within our industry that are in those day-to-day contacts with students I think this is probably the biggest question they have and I think you are certainly qualified to to help answer this. But as a student housing manager how can those managers identify student who who may be struggling and when and how do they refer them to professional help
0: first of all great idea that every student housing manager gets some training on what to look for and how to respond one of the things that we really emphasize at jed is this isn't rocket science right you don't need to be a licensed clinician to be able to offer a warm hand, keep your eyes open, and have a conversation with a student. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the trainings that people have had have focused a lot on crisis and can be fairly intimidating (laughs) for non-clinical people. So, I mean, we're talking about basic things. Like if you notice that a student has is spending an inordinate amount of time in their room, Mm -hmm. or they're not out Uh, socializing with friends that you have they don't come out to the common area or if you have I don't know if you have uh, dining facilities in your buildings if they're not coming out for food they're not coming to any social events you see them in their appearances disheveled or their hygiene is poor they look like they haven't slept in three days things that you would notice in your friends, in your colleagues, in your coworkers, your co-office mates. We're talking about simple day-to-day signs that we all see in each other. Looks like somebody's maybe just having an off day, not waiting until someone is breaking down in your office in distress and crisis to see what's going on. But when you see that first sign of struggle in whatever way that might be, given your role in the organization, to reach out and say, hey, you know, I notice you usually come to a lot of social events and I haven't seen you at anything in a couple of days. Or, gee, I haven't seen you around in the hall. It seems like you've been spending more time in your room. Is any, you know, what's going on? How, how might I help? Certainly, if they reveal an acute issue, something very serious or significant, you definitely want to be able to know where to refer them for support on campus or off, depending on Your relationship with the university and be able to make that connection, not just say, oh, you should go talk to Jane Smith at the counseling center on your campus, but to actually facilitate that connection. So maybe make that call with the student or get them the number. We really want to focus on the human connection and that warm outreach from someone who is organically in their world and not just because you see someone that looks like they might be having a bad day, immediately refer them to counseling or professional help. Because not all students need psychotherapy, but they all can benefit from a warm hand and outreach from someone in their world.
1: That's great advice. And you know, taking that, I can't wait until you guys are further along in this partnership to see tactically what that will end up becoming at each campus. I think that's fantastic. Richie and Tom, I guess because you guys are the ones that are dealing on the off-campus housing side, what kind of problems and challenges do you guys see? I think there's part of that report, Richie, on this yeah on this next slide that you wanted me to share. By the way, Richie, I did the full. I think was that, 50 pages. I've also put that out for files that somebody can if, for our audience members to be able to download. So that's out there now as well. And like I said earlier, we'll we'll link it on the website as well, but What kind of problems are we specifically dealing with in in student housing when it comes to this?
3: Yeah, just to summarize what everyone's looking at right here, long story short is that if your residents feel like they have a sense of belonging in your community and they feel connected, they have a relationship with you, they're more likely to have a positive outlook on their mental health. So again, coming away from this conversation today, how might we bring those students that maybe don't feel like they have connection at a community feeling like they do and they feel very connected. How can we make our programming more intentional with more purpose? And we're hoping that this data will be motivation and help educate our team members that, Hey, there's a lot of opportunity to do a lot of good in our communities, but in regards to trends, right? This was our first survey in the last, uh, this past year. So as we look to do an annual index, which we will be doing this fall, Hopefully with new coalition members and then into the future every year, you know, Wes and the future podcast appearances on Mental Health Awareness Month will be more confident on speaking what exactly those problems or challenges are. But I think this is an awesome guidepost, a nice beacon for community managers to understand how they can help their students' mental health.
1: Great. Tom, do you have anything else to add to that? To echo on
2: what Dr. Roy said so well, I mean, what's happening at on college campuses is is what's happening everywhere, and and the things that people see in the news, social media is not being social. It is a disconnected technology. People need to be together physically. That's why, whatever you can do on the uh, the resident side to to promote spaces where people can come together, I think that's one of the biggest challenges we're seeing is just. Young people growing up in a social media world where they, they care about you know how many likes or comments they're getting on a post rather than really tangible and, and real connection with another person, whether that's a friend or a resident advisor or a professor or a counselor, whoever it might be, that human connection is so much more important and, and healthy for us than the, uh, the technology connections.
1: Let's talk a little bit about this partnership that you guys are currently working on. Richie, I'll I'll start with you, but I guess everybody can kind of chime in. What are you guys looking to achieve through this partnership?
3: I'll give everyone kind of a vision statement, and I'll let uh, Dr. Roy and Tom kind of fill in from there. But, you know, when we first came together as a coalition and started to to talk, how do we get a parent who has a college student living on campus knowing that they're going to be moving to off campus next year. How do we get that parent to feel just as good about the support and care that their college kid has as a freshman or sophomore living on campus as they do later on in their college years? How do we get to that point? And so working with Tom's organization, Dr. Roy's organization, we feel like we have starting to fit those puzzle pieces to get to that that vision point.
0: Yeah, I think I'll probably repeat what I said a few minutes ago, but really thinking about how we can translate what we are doing for those students that have been living on campus that are then going to transition to off-campus. How can that thread continue in the off-campus housing situation? And thinking about how we can implement our comprehensive approach in the ways that fit in the off-campus housing world, many of which I think do fit. And so thinking collaboratively on how we would actualize that and implement that in the off-campus housing space. And in case I forget, because I have a tendency to do that, I want to make sure that folks know to go to the Jed Foundation website. It's just jedfoundation.org. We have many, many, many free resources on our website that you can take right now and use in your buildings. Our Seize the Awkward campaign with the Ad Council is one that has been tremendously successful, also in activating behavioral change among young people and reaching out to one another um, when they see someone that they think might be struggling a bit, and many other resources that you can just take for free and start using right now. So I encourage you to take a look.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic website. I would encourage everybody to make sure you're on the, the university part of it, <laughs> not necessarily the, the high school part of it, because Jed does a lot of uh, – provides a lot of resources for high school as well. But, yeah, I've, I've scoured over the website and downloaded a, a lot of different things and looked at a lot of different videos that you guys have, and it's a, it's a fantastic resource. I guess the next question I wanted to really kind of ask all of you uh, – how our audience can get more involved. You know, I think you kind of hit on that just then. But when it comes to hi, how are you and the coalition, Richie, I put out a poll just a second ago, you know, asking how many people, you know, were part of the, of the survey and 16% were not. So we've definitely got some audience members. And of course there'll be more audience members when this goes out to the podcast and, and on YouTube, what ways can they get involved with with joining the coalition if they're not already?
3: Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that, Wes. So for all of you on the call that are not part of the coalition, Wes, like you said, we'll be sharing that link. It's a quick quick eight-question prompt, and this is actually for both operators and non-operators. So if you're a vendor, if you're an investor, if you're a developer architect on the call, we are starting to talk to non-operators as well of how you can get involved in the coalition. So we're looking around like a June 1st deadline for student housing operators to join for uh, this year. And so, basically, we want to make sure that we get everyone signed up because you'll be part of the survey effort for this fall. Our goal is to reach a million college students. So, like I said, last year we were able to get to over 800,000 college students with the 24 companies that have been in the coalition. Our goal is to get that reach up to 1 million. So, Wes will be sending that link. And then I want to give a quick shout out to our leadership group of the coalition just to give you kind of a scope of who's been leading the way here with uh, the coalition. And so, I want to say thank you to Teresa Sapata at RPM Living, Casey Peterson at Peak, Jonathan Bovee at Landmark, uh, Dan Oldstorff at Campus Advantage, Gina Coward at ACC, Jen at Cardinal, Helen at Campus, and then myself at CORE. We make up the eight leaders of the coalition. Jonathan Bovee from Landmark will actually be working with any potential new interested members of the coalition. So I can include his uh, email in the chat here as well, but sign up for that link. Jonathan will be uh, uh, reaching out to you and we hope to have you a part of our efforts this fall.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, that that link is out. If, uh, if if you click on it, it'll pop up another page in your browser and you'll be able to, uh, to fill out that form. Tom, I know we've got a lot of audience members here that are in the Austin area. You mentioned a couple of things earlier. Anything still going on this month or, or you know, this summer that you want to talk about at all?
2: May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We're we're engaged right now in our Happy Habitathon. If you go to org, there's still time to register. We have materials in English, Spanish, and French, really encouraging those healthy habits and doing them together with others. So, you know, you can access those free resources. Dr. Sonia Krishna, who is on our our board and and contributes a lot to the program that that we do. Sent her regrets. She wanted to be on this call, but wasn't able to be here today. But you can find a lot of uh, of the resources at org. And yeah, May is is still going on. And then our, our next tentpole event will be around World Mental Health Day on October 10th.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. We, we've gone 15 minutes over. I, I appreciate you guys being so gracious with your time. Richie, I know you've got a couple other slides that I think it's very important that we go through for, for this audience, as I think it's probably one of the main reasons that this is kind of the main information that they wanted to get. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, some of these recommendations and some of the things that they should be looking to plan going into this next year?
3: Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of what Dr. Roy was talking about and Tom with connectedness, belonging, being together, community, right? You look at the word map right here that popped up as a result from the survey. It aligns exactly with what our students want, right? So as you look, uh, we also have top three recommendations here that, coming away from the survey, for each of you community managers out there, when you think of your operations team, how can we promote more socialization, again, outdoor events, events with music, right? And then how are we removing the the stigma at our communities? And how can you incorporate this messaging in your marketing, your communication to your residents? And then again, when you think of the thriving, maintaining, struggling students, how do we get the struggling students up to what thriving students feel, right? And so when you think of your residents that you know so well you know your thriving students you're probably thinking of right now how can you do more discovery with them have more fruitful conversations with them because i'm sure they have awesome ideas of how to make your programming more intentional
1: great and i do have this other poll question out there that came in from somebody that i sent the report to earlier in preparation for this and the one question she had This is a site manager that's at a Midwest University. Prior to the pandemic, we had great involvement from students attending our social events. We brought those events back this past fall, and even though our occupancy is higher than in 2019, we have struggled all year to get residents to participate or other managers experiencing the same. So that pool is out there and it looks to be right around 50-50 right now of uh, yes, attendance just isn't the same or no, we're partying like it's 2019. So, anyway, again, thanks so much, Richie and, and Nance and Tom, for taking time out of your day to do this. Sorry we went over. It's all my fault. <laughs> so, I appreciate that. I hope you won't hold that against me the next time we uh, we cover this. But I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. For thanks.
2: This was awesome. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Well, again, big thanks to Tom, Nance, and Richie for giving their time, and thank you for listening to this episode so that you and your team can better understand how to help the students that we come across every day. There were several resources that were referenced in in that whole interview, as well as the Thriving College Student Index Report. We'll provide links to all of those in the show notes, so make sure that you go there and download those. Again, if you haven't registered to receive meeting announcements and information for the Shop Talk webinar, you can do that at shoptalk.info. Well, guys, that does it for this episode of the Student Housing Insight podcast. If you got a lot out of it, I would really, really like for you to please pass this on to your colleagues and refer them to to the podcast as well as to our website at studenthousinginsight.com we've got some great episodes coming out this month our next episode will feature eddie moreno and matt windsor who just acquired the turn company if you have no idea who or what turnco is then you definitely will want to tune in for that then also for our profiles in student housing series that we've been doing. That will be out at the end of the month. I'm sitting down with Chief Operating Officer of Peak Made Real Estate, Casey Peterson, and we talk about his career and the advice he has for folks who are considering making student housing a long-time career. So stay tuned for that. Well, guys, thanks so much again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.